G'day listeners, welcome to the Braintainment Podcast. This show is an interesting mix between pop culture and personal development with a very wide range of guests that come on the show for a chat from the sports space, philosophy, health and fitness, entertainment and everything in between. The idea is to entertain or to educate you guys and hopefully sometimes both, either through just myself or with the guests that come on the show as we explore different ideas and concepts and have some really interesting conversations. The mission with the Brain Taming Podcast is to raise a million dollars, and that all starts with uh, building an audience and a platform. So thank you for tuning in. Our goal is to raise a million dollars towards brain injury recovery and research. So if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and family, and be sure to subscribe. With that said, strap in and enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're chatting with PT Carl Zunema. And we're going to be chatting all things personal training, fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health, uh, and how it all relates, as well as what you need to know to optimize your body uh, and, and your mind as a result, and what you can do at home right now, particularly with everything going on amidst the, uh, the COVID madness. Now, I've worked with Carl personally, and he knows his stuff. He's experienced, he's helped his clients achieve some pretty remarkable results, and pretty evident every time you chat with him that... He bloody loves what he does. So I think you're going to love this episode and learn a lot on how you can perhaps optimize uh, your body and your mindset and mental health as a result. So with that said, uh, Carl, welcome, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, man. It's a, it's an absolute pleasure to be on here. And I have to say, I love one of the words that you used just there, um, you know, optimizing your health and your body. Um, that's really what I'm all about. And it's a different road for everybody. But yeah, optimizing and just trying to get the most from the least is is really what I'm trying to get out of everyone. So thanks for having me, man. I love that, mate. And I couldn't agree more. And like I kind of touched on there and alluded to, you know, certainly in our conversations, you're always really passionate, you know your stuff. Um, and there's so many ways to go about optimizing. Um, you know, we'll cover off as much as we can in this in this short chat, but hopefully it points people in the in the right direction anyway. Um, so I'm excited to to dive in and, and really add some value here and have obviously a lot of fun along the way. Mate, where I want to start um, is the link between uh, exercise and mental health. You know, I think that just amidst everything going on right now, it's arguably the hottest commodity is our mental well-being. Um, and there's a number of ways to to go about you know, improving that and keeping that sound, but exercise is an, and diet, of course, is an easy way. So, which is maybe just touch on the link between you know moving your body and eating right and the impact that has on our mental health. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, look, like. The way that I like to look at it is exercise and nutrition in general should really be more to improve your quality of life. If you're always looking at it from an aspect of just trying to improve the way that you look, um, it can be pretty hard because it's a long journey and you can get lost along the way pretty easily. So when you're, when you're training and when you're eating and when you're thinking about all these things, um, how you feel should really play a big role into that because the better your mental health and the better you feel about the things that you're doing in the gym at home, whatever it is that you're doing, the better you feel about it, the more likely you're going to be able to do it long-term. So taking care of that mental health side of things and actually doing your exercise and nutrition with that in mind will allow you to do this for years on end. And that's why when it comes, when I'm, when I'm working with people, I'm not really, I'm not really dogmatic about certain training styles. You know, I don't think that every single person I know should be lifting weights. I don't think every single person I work with should do a bunch of cardio or eat only chicken breast. 
Um, it's really about finding what that end goal is for you. And it's about finding a way that we can do this nonstop and we can do this again and again over time. Um, so I think deliberate movement and actually moving with purpose and deciding to yourself and actually making that a part of your day can really, really help. And I don't know about anyone else, but you can, I can even feel it now, just not having the gym for myself. Um, but obviously there's all sorts of other ways to um, exercise, but just not having that thing that makes me feel for lack of a better word, normal. Um, and yeah, just trying to, just trying to find my sort of middle place and find sort of that happy place without exercise is actually, is actually quite tough. And from the conversations that I'm having with a lot of my clients is it's, it's this funny, like the first couple of weeks you feel okay. And you feel like, Oh, you know what? It's, everything's going to be fine. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sort of wait it out and I'm not going to let this stop me and I'll get straight back on it. But the longer this lockdown that has been drawn out, um, I think the lower the morale is for everybody, which is kind of hard. I suppose it makes it hard to break that cycle then too. You know, we're creatures of habit. So if you get stuck into, you know, like you kind of touched on there, waiting it out, you know, the danger in that is you, um, you know, become um, complacent and then trying to, trying to get going is really tough. And I know for myself, like you kind of touched on there as well, part of the appeal of working out and trying to keep fit and healthy is, you know, is the aesthetics, you know, of your life. I said, I don't like to look good and I'm sure people listening can relate in some way, but mate, I got to tell you, it's almost, almost um, uh, the biggest motivator that uh, it's how I feel about myself. You know, it, it is the mental health side of things and the challenge with everything happening right now and the lack of access to gyms, et cetera, even just with the limited time frame you can spend outdoors exercising at this moment in time does make it tough. So unless you're monitoring and being very aware of, um, you know, doing something, then uh, it can be a slippery slope. So I think that's that's kind of why I wanted to get you on and is to make sure people uh, don't fall into that cycle. Yeah, man, exactly. And I'm I'm finding it within myself. The thing about the thing that it's funny because we need to actually determine what exercise is and the way that I look at exercise because you know I've worked with a lot of people that say like I don't do exercise. I'm, I don't you know I don't move. I don't lift. I don't do anything. But the way that I look at exercise is just deliberate movement. And that, that key word there, which is deliberate, and it's when you're at home and, um, you know, obviously we're working from home, we're sitting exponentially more than probably ever before. Um, deliberate movement and exercise is just becoming more important. And I think if you get too caught up on what it is that you should be doing and what's, you know, what the best thing is to do, Sometimes you can get that paralysis by analysis and, you know, you're thinking so much about it that you just end up not yes. doing much at all. And that's when a lot of problems start to arise. And, you know, what, what started off as like a, you know, two week, three week, six week hiatus of, um, you know, and just not doing the things that you know you should be doing turns into six months, 12 months, you know, half your lifetime. And then it's almost too late to look back. Yeah, dude, that is huge. The, that, that intention, that deliberate practice, like you touched on, um, I think is, is really important. Um, so then for people that are listening that are at home, maybe they have let their routine lapse or potentially they might not have even had one <laughs> uh, prior to prior to the lockdown, where do they start? So we'll talk about some, um, some exercise with equipment in a sec, but I'd love to know uh, some examples or some ideas for people that, uh, that they can utilize 
to work out at home um, that don't require equipment. Is there any sort of best practices that you have? Yeah, for sure. So look, I, it's funny because my recommendations have been changing over the weeks as, um, as the lockdown here in um, Victoria gets stricter and stricter. So, you know, before it used to be like there are plenty of parks that you can go through that have, um, that have some equipment and, you know, and just, and walking to a park that's close by and then doing just a small resistance training um, little circuit with things like, you know, the, the things that everybody knows, it's your push-ups, it's your squats, it's your, um, your rows and things like that um, is always going to be a really good place to start. But the longer that we, the longer that we stay in this and the more restrictions that come on, it does get harder. Um, and it's going to be very, very tough for people if you haven't already invested in some equipment to, um, I guess, change your body dramatically during this time. I would argue that that shouldn't really be the end result for you right now. And like you talked about at the very beginning, you know, your your exercise right now should be determining, should determine your mental health and you should be asking yourself, you know, what, what makes you feel good? You know, if you're in a rut right now and, you know, you're struggling to... Um, find ideas for exercise or just the motivation in general, um, you know, you need to ask yourself why, you know, why are you training in the first place? What actually makes you feel good? Um, you know, for me, for example, when it comes to, when it comes to exercise, I've never been a massive fan of um, like running. I'm, I'm a pretty heavy guy. Um, I've always, I've played basketball. That was always my running. But other than that, um, doing that high intensity cardio or just, you know, just body weight running or cut, you know, that style of thing is never been my forte, but the longer that, the longer that we're missing out on these things, you know, I, what I'm addicted to and what I love about exercise is the way that you feel after, you know, I think if you get too attached to specific exercises um, and you're always just worrying about the same ones. And even if it doesn't feel right or practical at the time, but you're constantly trying to, you're constantly trying to push it. Sometimes it can have an adverse effect. So for people, what I, what I would recommend now is really going back to your roots and looking at, you know, what got you excited in the first place. Um, if you are the kind of person that really enjoys weight training and that's been your, uh, that's been your specific type of training for quite some time, then you can't go wrong with the basics um, when it comes to push-ups, when it comes to squats, um, using any sort of weights that you can from home to um, progress it. But when you are doing body weight exercises and, and workouts, one of the things that I would definitely keep in consideration while you're doing it is you have to, you have to work hard. You know, your body has to, has to feel like it's done something that it wasn't able to do before. So, you know, training close to failure, training to failure all the time isn't really, uh, I would say the best practice, but getting close to and actually pushing your limits, I think is in, in whatever it is that you do, whether it is um, how many push-ups you can do in a minute, whether it's how many push-ups you can do in total, whether it's um, how fast you can run a kilometer, making these little goals for yourself is really what really what we're looking for and really what's going to progress you long term. And even though a lot of the equipment that we were using and a lot of the things you'd be used to is now scrapped for some people, um, some people obviously a little bit luckier in other states and countries, but you know, you need to be, you need to be obsessed with progression. You need to be obsessed with getting better in whatever it is. Um, like I said, push-ups, squats, all of those things, they all matter.
mate, that's awesome. Let's talk about that actually. So I just want to unpack that a little bit. So I, I always say to people, progress equals happiness. And I actually stole mm-hmm. that from Tony Robbins. Uh, and it applies to all areas of life, right? So I love that you kind of let us into that um, into that part of the conversation. So um, where do people where do, where should people start? I suppose so. Um, and how important? I guess what I want to ask is how important is it to have specific, tangible goals that you're working towards to constantly get better, constantly work towards that fatigue level, like you mentioned, um, and then increase your baseline almost, um, versus just having this general idea of I want to get fit or I want to get healthy. You know, that is kind of esoteric and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what that means. So, how important is it to have those specific steps and goals that you're working towards? Well, yeah, man. I, look, I think it's I think it's everything. I think understanding where you're coming from and what you actually want to achieve from the things that you're doing is everything in life. Because, you know, if someone let's let's take let's take you for example, right? So, you know, you've been training for quite a while. We did it together. I've seen the way that you lift. You're actually, you know, it's quite impressive. Now, do you? do you want to be 110 kilos of just lean, hard mass, as bulky as you can, as shredded as you can? Would you say that's your end goal? Uh, I, to an extent, yeah. I want to be big and strong, but I want to look, I want to look ripped. <laughs> yeah, good. So yeah. I want to be, I, I, want to, I, I feel like I'm too lean, um, but I don't want to um, lose my aesthetic, that, that athletic look as well. Of course, you know, so taking you into account, if you right now, for someone who's looking to put on a little bit of size still, but doesn't want to just blow out altogether, if you just yeah. have that mentality of, I just want to, I just want to stay fit and you're just doing, you know, things just to keep you occupied, then yeah. very unlikely that's going to happen. You know, there needs to be this, there needs to be a hierarchy of things that are in place for you so that you're doing the things that are most important to your goal always. And then doing the things that you enjoy um, on the outside of that, but there needs to be there needs to be some sort of structure for you to understand. You know, there's a lot of people out there that don't really don't really enjoy exercise. It's that simple. Um, you know, it's a really big line between people because there's someone like myself where, in most cases, if I go longer than two to three days without doing some sort of weight training, I don't. I start to not really feel myself. Um, I start to feel really lazy lethargic i don't i want to move less like the longer i let this roll out i feel worse and worse so for me it's just this constant keeping up um keeping up appearances almost so that i feel normal to myself but there's a lot of people that don't feel that way and for someone like that i would say it's less important to do these things that we're going to talk about later on to actually optimize right and actually get the most out of it if you don't enjoy it and you're doing it because you know it's a health factor to you um, and you know that you just you just want to do it because you think it's the right thing to do for your health, then you've got to follow a very different set of guidelines to someone who wants to either lose as much weight as possible or put on as much muscle as possible. There's so many, there's so many different routes and there's not really a, a starting point that you can just sort of generalize because everyone should be looking for something different out of their out of their exercise and their training um, and their nutrition for that matter um, we need to find we need to talk, you need to understand with yourself what do you really what do you really want to get out of it do you want to be massive do you want to be shredded do you want to do something in between do you just want to stay fit and 
then you need to work with someone or do your own research, which I'm super, um, I'm super for, and actually start to create, <laughs> find out what actually is going to get you there and get you to those goals and then work backwards. Yeah, I love that. It's such a it's such a cliche analogy, but you know, if you want to go from, if you want to get from A to B, you need to know where A is and you need to know where B is, right? So part of that is is knowing where you're at right now. And I know we might touch on it a little bit later, but I'm sure you do some, some sort of assessment with your clients um, when they first come to see you. But you need to have that north star, that B point, so that you can actually customize a, a strategy accordingly, right? So just on that, when you are working with clients, are you are you identifying their goals so that you can then tailor very specific plan of attack is that something that people should take away listening to this that hey your strategy needs to be um depending on what your goal is whether it is to feel good or to lose weight or to gain weight is that kind of your approach yeah exactly you know for example if i get someone that comes in and they turn around to me and they say i am 100 percent committed i've been training already for three to four years and now i've decided i really want to step it up i want to get um as strong as possible i want to be really muscly like i've got um you know they already have the dedication they already have the um you know that discipline in actually getting into the gym because i find that's one of the the hardest parts of it um if they've already got those things then from there it's really about just optimizing every session and optimizing every meal so that that's all we have to worry about. But if I'm going to be completely honest with you, it's, there's not as many of those people as you'd think. A lot of the time, what needs to be factored into these is all the other lifestyle factors that no one really takes into consideration. You know, what time of day do you work? Um, how many days a week do you actually want to train? Because for someone, there's there's a lot of people that just enjoy, they, they like doing, say, their Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then they don't really want to do anything else. Now, if someone comes in and I give them a five-day program, and I've, I've specifically programmed for five days of training, but they only want to do three, and then they end up missing one to two sessions every single week, you know, that's not ideal. That's not optimal. I would much rather, from my end, write a three-day program for that person even though they're not going to be coming into the gym as much, but I know that they're going to be doing all the things that they need to rather than shooting for the stars and, you know, saying, I'll come in every single day this week. And then we fall short, you know, two, three weeks in. What people need to remember is that this is a long game. If you're, if you're actually trying to change your physique and you're trying to change the way your body looks, you need to be in this, you need to be in this mindset and you need to be in this run for, at the very minimum, you know, three months to six months. Um, that's really how long it's going to take. And I think impatience and, get, you know, people just uh, getting really, really impatient on the results can sometimes really, can really stop that as well. Yeah, we're in an instant gratification world, aren't we? So it can be tough to, to condition that mindset if people don't already have it. I know I struggle with it at times. You, know, you really have to play the long game, um, particularly if you've got some, you know, some big goals. Uh, mate, let's let's talk about diet a little bit. So, what's the balance between training, so moving your body, and diet? Like, is there is one more important than the other? Do they sort of work hand in hand? Like, what's what's your thought process around that? Yeah, man, this is this is one where it took it took a long time of on being on the job and working with bodies to really understand just how important the diet is. Um, if I take you back a few years, so I've been I've been personal training now um, and coaching others to to get their bodies for about six six seven years now, and at the start 
all I really focused on was uh, the training. You know, I would just come in, I would tell them what they're going to be doing. And that, that was pretty much the bulk of it. Um, and what I started to realize was uh, three months went past, six months went past, 12 months went past, and I wasn't seeing a massive change in people. I wasn't really, um, you know, they felt good, you know, they felt fitter and, you know, they could feel their muscles and they, they were, for lack of a better word, happy um, because, you know, they were feeling good about themselves because I think that's what training does for people. Um, it makes you feel good. You know, it makes you want to look in the mirror and actually check on your progress, which I think is so important. But were they losing weight? No. Um, were, was, you know, were they getting leaner? Were they actually getting closer to the goal that they set out at the very start? I would have to say no. And it wasn't until I actually started to um, compete in natural bodybuilding and I, I actually decided, you know what? I've never actually had a six pack, you know, I've always been pretty, pretty heavy. Um, I was very good at putting on muscle. It just happened pretty naturally, but yeah, I just, I never saw my abs. I couldn't, I couldn't get it. And that's when I hired another trainer for myself and decided I'm going to compete. And during that time, what I realized was my training, there was, there wasn't really anything wrong with my training. You know, I didn't, I didn't change that all too much. Um, it was a little bit more structured, but what really got the abs out was that consistent diet. So I dieted for, uh, it was about 24 weeks in total. And in that 24 weeks, which turns out to be six, was that six months? Yeah, uh, just under six months. Um, what oh, I yeah, found yeah. out in that time was it's all diet. You know, if you're really looking to change your physique, it starts with the food because the food is the food is what's going to decide whether you have enough energy to put on muscle or you don't have enough energy in the system and it's going to make you take, take away from your body fat. So if you really are obsessed about being a certain number on the scale, so if you want to weigh a certain weight um, or you want to put on lean tissue, you must understand the food. You must understand protein. You must understand carbohydrates and you must understand fats and the ratios of those to get the most out of it. Because I've seen people who, who can by, by the stretch of it, be eating clean, right? And I think, I think one of the biggest misconceptions um, with the diet is that eating healthy will therefore make you lose weight. And as sad as it is, it's just not the case. Um, you, you need to be eating in a calorie deficit. There needs to be an energy balance within your body to actually make weight loss or weight gain happen. And if you don't understand those mechanisms, you're going to have a very hard time. And some people have gotten the results without that, but it's, it's basically luck. You know, if you don't actually know how much you're eating and you don't actually know the foods that you're putting into you, um, you're, you're leaving it into the hands of God and that's fine for some people. Like I said, for people who aren't 100% love the gym and love and dedicated to it, um, I would argue that that's the best way to go because counting calories and getting into that science side of thing can be a lot for someone who doesn't really enjoy it. So um, I'm not saying it's impossible to get results without understanding your nutrition. Um, but if you want to be in control of your body weight and you actually want to be in control of how you look and feel on a day-to-day -day basis, um, understanding calories, your proteins, your carbs, and your fats, and how they work inside your body and how much you as an individual need 
um, of those things is going to be the most the most valuable information you could you could find out for yourself. And it's pretty easy too. I'd be happy to go through a little bit um, here to give some um, yeah. Yeah, well, let's dive into that. So, is there like a set, um, you know, percentage or ratio for those macros you mentioned? Does it depend on the goals? Like, let's dive into that. I'd love to because I'm curious myself. Awesome, yeah, man. So this is where it really becomes a bit more of an art form, and people who get diets um, either prescribed to them, they go to a nutritionist or off their personal trainer or just online. Um, this is where you know the art form comes behind diet planning, and I think it's something that I really enjoy about it. So when it comes to calories, as we know, the um, the Australian standard at the moment is around a two thousand calorie diet, and for the most part, I like that. Um, I like I like starting at around two thousand, whether you're male or female, to actually see what your body does, because you know everybody's different. Depending on your height, your weight, your age, the amount of calories and the amount of energy that you need as a human to function, to live, and to move and breathe. Um, it's going to be different for everybody. For example, you're a tall dude, so and you and we've spoken about it before. You can eat quite a lot, right? If I was to eat, dude, I have yeah. like thousand calories, and I'm so bloody lean still. <laughs> That's what I mean, man. So you know, your body type can handle that amount. Whereas if I was to eat that same amount of food, um, I would put on weight a lot quicker, and it, I I just don't hold it quite as well. So it's about understanding the person and understanding their lifestyle all the way up into um into adulthood because epigenetics do play a role in this as well and that's things that happen to you um from a child that happen to you like as a as a kid or um even in the womb you know as your parents the all these things start to play a massive role so i always start at around anywhere between 1700 to 2200 calories and just sticking it right there there's no right answer on where you start because like we spoke about before what you're trying to find is a baseline you're trying to find that number where if you can if you can track all your food and put into a little calculator um, like my fitness pal or there's a couple of other great ones on um, online or in an app store if you can find a way where you are consistently eating the exact same amount of calories doesn't necessarily have to be the same amount of um, or the same foods that you're eating, but it does make it easier because the second you start to change food from day to day, the calories don't really match up. It's really hard to get it just right unless you become really, really, um, really fanatic about about counting your calories. But we'll keep going. So. Two thousand, anywhere between seventeen hundred to twenty-two hundred calories is where you want to start. Now you need to do this for. I like to. I like to try and get people to hold it for at least a week. You know, you want to try and get um, a really about a week's worth of data from how much you're eating and what it does to the scales. Because day to day, your weight will fluctuate. So water will actually fluctuate. Will make you fluctuate quite a bit. Um, so you want to get like a full week's amount and then you want to start to taking the average of those seven days of your weight. So you weigh yourself Monday, you're 90 kilos. You weigh yourself on Tuesday, you're 89.7. Wednesday, 89.3, 89.8. And you keep going like this. And what you're going to start to see is depending on the amount of calories that you're eating, it's going to show up and show you just how much weight you can lose with that. Now, once you have this number, weight loss and weight gain becomes pretty easy for 
for quite some time for, you know, at least three months to six months until you start to maybe plateau a little bit depending. But for the most part, this number is super important to get because as a coach, um, as someone who just trains normally, it gives you the freedom to not have to strict, uh, sit on a strict diet because there's been a lot of studies that have shown that whether you're eating perfectly clean, all organic, all um, non-sugar, non-refined, um, you know, simple carbohydrates, and versus that, um, versus a flexible diet where your food changes, you know, you're allowed to have macros every now and again, you're allowed to do this every now and again, as long as your calories stay re um, relatively constant, they've shown no difference in weight loss. So all weight loss, all weight gain. So if that's your main goal and you just want to lose a little bit of weight, then take the time to understand that and actually bring, you know, follow a certain amount of calories for a, for a period of time and see what it does to you. Because if you're putting on weight, if you're doing this diet and your weight is increasing as you go, then you need to, you need to eat less, right? It's a very simple formula. Um, and then recalculate how many calories that is and then wait for the scales to come down. And as soon as you start to see the scales consistently drop and start to do their thing, that's when you found the number that's going to work for you. And then that's the number you want to stick to as often as possible. The more days you can get that, um, you can get that calorie amount, the more weight you're going to lose over time. I love that. A pretty simple formula uh, for people to uh, to adhere to. Yeah, you I know, actually found myself when I was trying to put on weight. I um, like I sort of joked before, but you know, I, I do consume a lot of calories every day, and I love that you mentioned epigenetics. So without sort of derailing too much, like for someone like myself, I know people listening potentially might relate to some extent. You know, we've all got uh, we've all got a history, we've all got a past, and for me, you know, I had a really nasty head injury five six years ago, and as a result, you know, I struggle with anxiety pretty badly from time to time, and um, I'm often in that fight or flight, which funnily enough, just looking back in hindsight, it's probably burning a lot of calories. Like just my brain mm -hmm. is, you know, I think the brain takes a lot of energy from memory. Um, so it, uh, I'm sort of burning through calories probably unknowingly, uh, when on paper, I'm not necessarily moving that much throughout the day, but I'm eating, I'm eating those calories, but uh, calories, but anyway, when I intentionally, um, increased that calorie count and I was counting them, uh, I did actually start to put on some size. And so. Uh, it's a pretty simple formula to follow. It's, it's a matter of just, I, I suppose, the next variable is just having the discipline to to do it, right? Absolutely, man. It's it's the discipline of it all. And before I go into that, I just want to mention um, a, a little fun fact. Now, when I was talking about your body burning calories and you know using calories for energy, the funny thing about it is only about it's something between ten and twenty percent um, of the calories you burn each day is from your actual exercise. You know, if you do a weight training session or cardio is obviously a little bit more, but the exercise um, aspect of it is really not that much when it comes to, um, you know, how many calories you're using in a day. Where it really sits is actually in the, um, what's called NEAT. It's non-activity, oh, sorry, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So it's um, while you're sitting down and, and, you know, bouncing your leg up and down, it's while you're twiddling your fingers, it's while you're, you know, just walking from the couch to the fridge, that over a 24-hour period actually burns the most amount of calories. Now, for someone who's in um, a fight or flight mode a lot of the time, and for people that are super anxious, you'll find that you're doing those things actually a lot more, and it can play a massive role into, um, into how much weight you can gain or lose, because, you know, 
you're constantly, you'll find that you'll constantly fiddle, you know, and you'll do things and you'll just be really agitated. And that can, that can take up up to 50% of the calories you burn and it can actually become quite hard to, to um, maintain or manage your weight. Fuck, dude, that's awesome. So <laughs> you blow my mind. So can you, what was that? What was that acronym you mentioned? I'm just going to scribble this down for myself. It was NEAT or something. Yeah, so it's called NEAT. It's non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Yeah. And that's, yeah, so it's basically how many... Thermogenesis. Um, yeah, thermogenesis. Okay, NEAT, gotcha. Yeah, so... Um, that is really cool. Yeah, it's, it's really incredible. And so what they... What, um, they taught me while I was prepping was um, and prepping for the bodybuilding show was that's usually because what happens to people once you've been really, really strict dieting, um, there's not a lot of people I know that get to this point, but you know, basically you've been dieting for three months, four months, nonstop, virtually no cheat days. And what starts to happen is, is even though you're eating less and um, you're potentially doing the same amount of exercise, your weight loss just stalled and you can't get it to move. And you're like, what the hell is happening? You know, you think it's going against nature because like I said, it's just a formula. It's, it's just calories in versus calories out. And what the studies have shown over time is it's because when you get, when you're dieting for that long, you get what's called diet fatigue. And once you start experiencing diet fatigue, you, you realize you start to move less, you start to talk slower, you start to do all these little things very differently to preserve energy. And you're doing this almost subconsciously. And what happens is that your need, because it makes up such an amount of how many calories you burn in a day, once those things start to, once you stop, um, you know, stop moving your leg up and down and you start, you don't talk to as many people and you're not moving around as much because your body's trying to preserve it, you're actually not burning anywhere near as many calories as you used to. So they said, in, so what they did was instead of actually bringing my food down for that week, they basically, he, my guy basically just told me, look, you need to take, take that into account that you're not moving as much. Um, you know, you're still exercising, you're still going to the gym, but you're not moving throughout your day to day. Because I basically got to a point where I, I, I was taking like one-on-one -on -one training sessions with people at the gym and I, I had to sit down. Like I couldn't stand next to my clients while they were exercising. I had to bring like a bench around or a ball around with me to sit down on because I was so just tired and lethargic. And that was actually the reason why I, was, I wasn't losing weight. So I had to actively force myself to get out of that. And um, yeah, and it started to work again. That's super cool. So essentially for me, I just need to chill the fuck out and get out of the fight or flight and stop burning so many calories. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's, 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 that's cool. what the, the strength coaches do. Um, so, oh, well, the guys who do like powerlifting and things like that, there was basically this big conception um, over the, like the 90s and the early 2000s where um, powerlifters would essentially quit their jobs. Um, once, they were, once they were going pro, they would basically quit their jobs so they didn't have to move at all. So they would basically wake up, they would just eat two to three meals, go to the gym, um, work out, come straight back home and then sit down to not use as, to use as little calories as possible to get as much strength and as much weight up on them as possible. Um, because oh, that's man, really that's where um, it was really hard for them to start gaining weight because, you know, a lot of them usually had like labor jobs like, um, you know, carpentry, doing that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, when it was time for them to go pro, they were basically told like, look, mate, you need to put on more weight. We can't have you like running around and doing labor jobs. We have to keep you down. There you go. Uh, one more on the diet one, and then uh, we'll talk about the discipline of it all. Uh, yeah. That's often the, the variable where people fall down. So 
let's talk about meat. So I'm a big meat eater, uh, and obviously not everyone does. People eat fish only. So you know, outside of the moral um, conversation, that's um, you know, sort of not my forte. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it neutral? Does it depend on the person? What are your thoughts around um, meat consumption? Uh, for sure. And look, this is um, this is something that took the world by storm um, quite a while ago with um, obviously some documentaries and things coming out on it. Um, look, if I'm going to go from a personal standpoint, and yeah, like you said, I'm pretty happy. We're going to keep the moral side out of this. Um, for I would argue for someone who's for someone who's trying to get as much muscle as possible and they want to feel big and strong, um, I would argue that meat at the very least has to be some part of their diet. Um, you know, and there's a lot of options there. Like you said, I think fish, um, red meat, white meat, um, they're all they're all very similar. But this is essentially what it's going to come down to. And this is this is sort of my main point on people who want to cut out red meat. It is completely possible um, to get big and strong on a completely vegan diet. No, um, no animal products whatsoever. It's possible. But you need to be very deliberate in what you're doing. Now, basically there's this, when we were talking about protein, I didn't get to talk about it too much, but um, essentially protein is the building blocks um, of our body. We need it to put on muscle. Um, what I didn't say before when we were talking about calories, but every person who is weight training should be at the very least um, consuming 1.2 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So for example, I'm 90, um, 90 kilos. So I should be consuming 1.2 grams of that, which is roughly 100, it's 135 grams of, um, 130 grams of protein. Uh, at the very minimum. Are, so you, if you're, are, are, are you aware of that? On a, sorry to cut you off, but on a daily basis, are you aware of that? Are you counting what protein? Yeah, so for me personally, I went, when I was um, when I did my diets in the past, um, I was a bit of a My Fitness Pal hero. Um, I was I was tracking everything, and I was making sure that um, my numbers of the protein and my carbs and my fats were down to the gram. Um, it was very methodical. It was very very um, on point. But for me now, what I found is is that that is just not sustainable, and I don't think unless you're like I said, unless you're some kind of unless you're a little bit neurotic. Um, it's probably not sustainable <laughs> to track your calories and count them every single day. My advice to people is what you want to do is, is actually find out, um, do it for a small amount of time so that you understand the foods that you enjoy and the foods that you eat on a consistent basis and what is in them. So you can start to do a little bit of simple math in your head to make sure. For example, what I do is, is I basically have, um, I have and I have a steak. And I know how much of those things I need to eat to get my 130 plus grams of protein. So I don't actually sit there and weigh everything out and put everything into a, um, a thing anymore, into an actual database. Um, I only do that when I'm actually going to be stepping on stage pretty much. Um, so outside okay. of that, I had to find a way to actually do this, uh, do this long term. So for me now, it's about I've, I've done enough. Um, I've done enough tracking to know that, uh, you know, 100 grams of kangaroo mint is 30 grams of protein and I buy a kilo packet. So I divide it into basically 10 serves of, um, 10 serves of mint. And then I know every time I have one of those serves, it's 30 grams of protein or sorry, it's a little bit more, it's 34. Um, and then same thing gotcha. goes to the steak. And then I'm just sort of keeping a light tally in the head as I go. 
Um, but if you're ever unsure and you've never done it before, yeah, you probably need to track it for a little while to really understand that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, but, the yeah. So getting back, getting back onto um, the meat, one of the big problems with um, with people who go full vegan is there's something inside protein, and one of the essential amino acids that's in protein, um, what is called leucine. Now, leucine is actually what drives muscle protein synthesis. So, um, muscle protein synthesis is what your body is. Your body needs to be in a state of muscle protein synthesis. For your body to actually synthesize protein therefore muscle so that is the process of your muscle of your body gaining muscle and you need inside your protein source two grams of leucine or more to actually signal to your brain to start muscle protein synthesis so what happens with vegan diets is there is actually not enough leucine in their protein sources to actually stimulate muscle protein synthesis, right? Whereas in kangaroo, uh, oh, well, in any sort of meat source, whether it's chicken, um, steak, eggs, all of those things, that's usually not a problem. You will get two grams of leucine from 30 20 to 30 grams of protein from a meat source. However, if you're going to be getting um, protein from a vegan source, whether it is a pea protein or a, um, uh, like lentils or, you know, those things that usually people are looking at um, when they make the argument for vegan, uh, vegan training. What happens is, is inside lentils, even if you're consuming, you know, 100 grams of lentils, there's only about 0.8 grams of leucine inside the lentils. So even though you're getting your 140, 130 grams of protein, you're not getting enough leucine to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So you think you're doing all the right things, but if you're not supplementing with the leucine on the other side of it, um, you're not actually going to be getting the most out of it at all. I see. That's super fascinating. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, look, other than that, so um, there's, there, you can buy leucine as an essential amino acid um, straight online and you can buy that as a, just a powder. And what I, what I recommend and what I've seen um, people do, do it more for morally reasons or for whatever reason, um, when they're eating and when they consume their 20 to 30 grams of protein from whatever source that they decide, they actually supplement with a teaspoon of, um, of leucine. And so they basically just drink that while they're having their meal. And then along with the 30 grams of protein, plus the supplemented leucine, it is enough to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. And then it's then once you've done that, there's essentially the difference between meat and vegan, there's not a massive difference. So if you are taking that into account, um, you, can, you can be vegan and become quite strong and quite muscly. Um, and there is a argument that it could be better for losing weight. Um, purely for the inflammation side of things. So um, red meat can sometimes cause um, inflammation. I know there's a lot of people that um, don't deal with it as well as others, but yeah, I think for the most part, if we're looking at it from, um, from just purely a calorie standpoint or a physique standpoint, there's it's, it can be very preferential, but if you're gonna go vegan, you should look at supplementing leucine um, or else when you're losing weight, you're going to be losing muscle because your body's not in muscle protein synthesis. Um, or if you're trying to cook, um, 
if you're trying to put on, or sorry, if you're trying to lose weight, um, you will be taking it from muscle. And if you're trying to gain weight, you're not going to be able to because your body's not in that state of MPS, which I should call it now because I'm getting, <laughs> it's hard to say it over and over again. So then if you're, whether it's the measurement of, you know, protein on a daily basis, getting your lutein if you're vegan, if it's doing the right exercise, whatever it is, I, I mentioned before that the discipline's often one of the variables where people fall down. Um, yep. Is that part of what your role is as a PT is to obviously is to give the information and, and tailor a plan accordingly that serves their goal. But I, I would imagine in large part, it is being that, uh, that accountability source to some extent. Do you find that that's often where people fall short is the, is the discipline of keeping consistent? Um, and, and what are some top tips that you might have for people listening that they could potentially in, implement to, um, to keep or main, I guess maintain that discipline? Is it having only a couple of things that they focus on? Is it having an accountability buddy, so to speak? Is it connecting with a PT? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, look, this is this is one of the tough ones. And to be completely honest with you, man, I think the discipline side of things is one of the things I struggle on most. Like I said, um, for someone who competes in natural bodybuilding, I should be tracking my meals mm. every single day down to the gram if I want to be the absolute best. But, you know, it's, it's hard to do that long-term. Now, mm. you would be absolutely astonished at the amount of people that come to me and they they don't really want much else from me other than that discipline side of things um, they just want me to be there so that they have someone to answer to and when they eat bad or when they do whatever they do they they like having that person um beside them to say hey you've got to get better at that or you need to work on that or you know clip it behind the back of the ear um, there is a lot of people that come with just that mentality and I would argue that they struggle the most with results because essentially what you're doing is, is you're putting that blame onto someone else, right? And I'm all for it. I think everyone needs accountability and I think, um, I think having someone there to actually have to answer to is so important, but you start to get into the headset of like, um, you know, for example, someone who only trains with their personal trainer. Um, that, that can be very problematic in the long term because if they go, if for whatever reason you stop working together, um, you can become very, very lost. And, you know, you didn't, really, you didn't really learn a lot of skills during that time because if you don't have the skills to um, keep going and do this in your own time and keep that discipline, then I would argue that the personal trainer or the coach didn't really do their job right. So when it comes to when it comes to discipline and motivation, there needs to be some sort of work. There needs to be work from your end as well. So what I like to do when I'm when I'm working with people or someone comes to me with that sort of um, mentality, I I end up spending a lot of time talking a little bit about the stuff that we have today and actually making them understand the calorie side of things, making them understand what sort of training they should be doing and when they should do it um, and giving them the power to make decisions. Um, you know, everything else outside of that, it really comes down to a personality. Um, for example, um, I have, I have people who do just online training, right? So I don't actually see them in person. Some of them I've never even met. And essentially my job for them is to write up their programs and give them say four to five weeks worth of training and give them their food in a little spreadsheet. And the rest of it is completely up to them. Um, now, 
what's funny is taking those people versus people that um, come in and see me one, two, three times a week and you know rely on me a lot more, sometimes don't see as good results as the online people because they're taking the responsibility onto themselves. You know, they don't need that one-on-one -on -one check in every single time to just do the right thing and to do what they know they need to do. Um, but like I said, man, it's a personality thing. I, you know, it's very hard to find people who can do that. But I found that people who are able to look at a plan, um, you know, go see, a, go see a trainer and tell them through what you're really trying to do. And then they can spit you out a plan. And if you can understand that plan and you can do that, you know, 80% of the time, if you can follow that, that plan, do the exercises and do the, and eat the food that they're telling you to 80% of the time, um, that's usually going to really get good results. But if you're always relying on a trainer or a, a workout buddy to be there with you and to essentially hold your hand throughout it, it's going to work. It's going to work short term and you're going to feel better and you're going to see some results. But if you're looking for long-term happiness and you're looking for long-term health, yep. um, there needs to be some form of uh, uh, responsibility on yourself to make these things happen. I could not agree more aggressively, Carl. So for me, and just to sort of bring a ramp back around to the top about the mental health, mental health uh, part of the conversation, for me, you know, if and this, this sort of goes into the nature versus nurture side of things, you mentioned personality there. Um, I feel like I am, if if you know, if I'm anything naturally, it's wildly undisciplined. Funnily enough, <laughs> so I feel like yeah. um, some people might say, "Look, I'm not disciplined or, or whatever." And look, I get it, and I. I empathize to an extent because I feel like by nature, I'm wildly undisciplined. However, I feel like um, it becomes a lot easier when one, you remember the reasons you're doing something. So if you want to go for a run, if you want to go to the gym or whatever, um, remember why you're doing it. Is it, is it to look a certain way um, to impress your partner? Is it to feel good about yourself? Or is it to improve your mental health? Whatever it might be. So having those reasons front of mind makes things a bit easier as opposed to just getting up to try and tick a box because then you can, you're just going to fall short. Um, and then for me, the big thing is I take real pride in doing things that I said I would do and keeping the promises I make to myself, right? And I find that that cycle, um, and it takes, look, it's a process like anything. That's kind of the theme of this conversation. Things take time and, you know, there is a process to, um, to improve. But for me, the more I adhere to the promises I keep to myself, whether it's going to the gym or going for a run, whatever it might be, and there's always setbacks, um, I find that I get this like disproportional increase in my self-esteem than other things that and other practices that I sort of try and you know, implement in my life to feel good about myself. So for people listening that maybe do struggle with discipline and tell me if you agree, Carl, I find that the biggest factor that helps me, who's someone who is admittedly undisciplined by nature, is knowing that I'm going to feel like a fucking piece of shit if I don't do something and I that I said I would do and I at the same token I'm going to feel like a rock star if I did follow through on the promise I kept to myself so I find just that that thought process just it, it I've conditioned it into my mind long enough now that it becomes more of a habit and it makes it easier to, to be disciplined so to speak so I, I hope that makes some sense a bit of a rant there but I don't know I found, I've personally found it to be really valuable um would you agree? Does that kind of make sense? I, look, man, I think that, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, one of the things that I that I try.
try and get people to do is create some rules for themselves. Um, you know, yes. where it's, you know, I always, you know, and instead of saying I won't eat this or, you know, I'm not going to do this, you know, it should be things like, you know, I always train on a, on a Wednesday, you know, so that's it. Yes. That's, that's your rule. You know, no matter what happens throughout your day or throughout your week, I always train on a Wednesday. Um, and the longer, and like you said, man, the longer you do these and you keep making up these little streaks, um, the better you feel about yourself and you start to feel this, uh, you, you, you literally feel like you're on a roll. You know, you feel like yes. I could do anything because, you know, you're just getting these little wins, little wins, little wins. Um, and before you know it, you just feel, you, you know, you feel like you can do it, you know, and there's nothing wrong. I, I, like I said, man, it comes down to personalities again, because, you know, there's a lot of people that I know that like to do it all out. Um, I'm a little, I'm kind of like that, whereas I can't do like a half diet or, you know, I can't like half do something. I'm either, I can't be bothered with it or I'm all about it. I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. Um, yeah. Some other people, it's, they It's a real identity thing as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I also know a lot of people that are like, you know, they need to start off small. They need those, like those little wins. They need to, you know, they need to see like a half a kilo weight loss for the week. They need to see like that they were able to put down the chocolate um, when they were, and that makes them feel amazing. Um, you know, even if they're not doing everything else outside of that, you know, they put down the chocolate bar, but they still got Maccas later that day. You know, that's to them and to me, for them, that's still a win because every, every step in that right direction is is making you a better person and it's making you a, it's going to make you a happier person um because you're able yeah. to tell yourself no or yes you know and actually make you're in control of your life you know that's where people need to get to do you have that in mind when you're working with clients to help them kind of have that shift in identity so so for example i would i would imagine you know you'd have clients that come in and potentially want to lose weight and maybe they've been overweight for the vast majority of their life and such that their identity is now like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a fat person, you know, whether they articulate that or not themselves consciously on a subconscious level, that's who they see themselves. And I feel like there's this strong sort of human um, need to be an act in a way that's congruent with how you see yourself, right? Who you think you are. So shifting that identity can be really hard. Is that something you're aware of? Like whether it's that example I just gave or it's someone that I can't put on muscle or, I, you know, I'm too busy or whatever it might be. Um, have you found that to be the case? And, and how do you go about kind of shifting that with people? Is it, is it just a matter of like doing the right things over time? Like how do you get it? Because I feel like that's the fucking critical key for people in any endeavor, but certainly with, with fitness and health and nutrition, all that stuff we're talking about is, is breaking and, or shifting, I should say, um, how they currently see themselves. Absolutely. Um, look, I think I think identity is one of the biggest roles um, in this. If we really bring it back down, and you know, I keep saying it like this because this is what I do it for. When I started, when I started training, it was it was it was always to look better. Um, you know, it was always to look and feel better about myself. And as shallow as that sounds. Um, it, it, it's what got me through. And then over time, I learned to love the gym. I learned to love the feeling that the gym gave me. But before any of that, I was always doing it because I was very unhappy with how I looked, how I felt, um, getting teased, all those things. Um, it, it doesn't feel good and it can weigh you down. And 
one of the things I always say to people, and because it's usually it, it's usually more of a problem in people trying to lose weight. It's usually it's usually a problem among people that are that are overweight for most of their lives, and they'll come to me and they'll say that. I weigh 110 kilos right now and I want to be 70 by the end of the year. And the main thing I ask them is like, if you, let's say, instead of going from 110 to 70, let's say we got you to 95, but you had a six pack, would you care? And 90% of the time, the answer is no. Um, and that's because there's this disproportionate uh, uh, there's a lot of weight hanging on the scales. You know, everyone puts their everyone puts their uh, their hopes and their dreams like going through the scale and a number on the scale. But what people don't understand is is that the scales don't tell you a hell of a lot other than you know, am I losing weight or gaining weight? That's not really going to have an effect for most people on how they look. You know, it, there needs to be. Uh, there needs to be a, a, an intrinsic feeling of of you wanting to get better and actually look better. Because like I said, you can lose 10 kilos and look exactly the same, or you can lose three kilos and look like a completely different person. And it's because it's because the scales aren't telling the whole story. And it's not just about the exercise and the food that you put into your mouth. Yes, it makes up a massive part of it, but it also comes down to, you know, how, how much sleep are you getting a night? You know, like how well are you taking care of your personal hygiene? Um, you know, and these things are massive factors of mental health. So yes. when it comes to people that are in this position, it's really about just talking them out of that and giving them, because sometimes, and you know, for, for a lot of people, sometimes the gym and, and nutrition isn't really where they're going downhill. Um, my, you know, I've got people that I've worked with that, you know, they train pretty much every day and they eat pretty healthy. You know, I get people to send photos of the food that they're eating um, so I can get an idea of, you know, what, what it's doing to them. And uh, there's some people that are doing those things really, really well, but still not getting the results they deserve and still having this negative talk to themselves. And it's about giving giving guidance and giving help in the other areas as well. Um, you know, about how to get the most amount of sleep, you know, how to actually be happy in your home, you know, finding out those demons and, and taking the time to actually try and tackle them um, can sometimes mean all the difference in the world. And you can not change a thing from your training and nutrition aspect and just fix sleep, just fix your mental health, just fix, um, you know, your hygiene and or supplementation even and it can just open up so many doors so it's about not having this one pronged approach and always just thinking to people who have this bad self-talk that they're doing something wrong you know i don't think that people are doing things wrong people are just trying to live people are just trying to get by and you need to yeah. you need to take a step back look at them as a person not just as an athlete or just as you know a, a consumer of food and really ask yourself like what's what's the real underlying factors here that's making them talk about themselves you know whether it's coming from parents kids um you know back in you know school days um you know that they're talking about mm -hmm. themselves like this and actually just ask them why because a lot of the time when you talk about yourself like that you don't usually have a very good reason to um you know there's always someone worse off there's always someone better off um you are you and you need to be happy with that before anything else changes. 
Yeah, that's huge. Uh, that holistic approach, I think, is so important. And I know people listening will probably relate in some capacity again, but certainly for me, I know we've spoken about this. For me, sleep's been a big issue. You know, and I feel like I've been able to improve that over the last few months and that's had a dramatic impact on my ability to train and sort of this cycle again, like you get one element right, just makes that momentum breed and, and makes everything else a little bit easier. Um, and I find that the good thing about the, the world of fitness and diet and everything we're talking about is it's a good place to start to then start, you know, improving other areas of your life. But of course, um, it's not the it's not the be all and end all. So it's really cool that you, you take that more holistic approach. You mentioned supplements there. Without sort of diving into it too much, because I'll let you go uh, pretty soon. Just have a couple more for you. But um, is there any sort of best practices there? I suppose it depends on what your goals are, but um, whether it's for weight loss or weight training, could you just maybe allude to some of the main supplements that you like to work with? Yeah, absolutely, man. So as far as the guidelines, so it's a little bit tricky because um, obviously with supplements, there's a lot of them that you'll basically just pee down the toilet, um, you know, if you're using them incorrectly. So I think it's usually, what I like to do is, is when I work with someone, I usually get them to start off on like this, uh, you know, five or six um, specific supplements that just give this general health. It's basically the guidelines for general health um, overall. And if we can start there and then we can see what happens to you and what you feel over the coming weeks, it can start to open up more doors and tell you what you should really be doing. But for the most part, if we were to give some general recommendations for people um, so that they can, you know, look into these themselves and, and potentially start adding them to their weight and nutrition regime at the moment, um, a multivitamin is, the thing about multivitamins is they're, a lot of the things that they put in there, you're probably not gonna be able to absorb 100% anyway. But what they've shown in studies is that most of them don't cause a lot of harm either. So it's good to have in case you are deficient in one of those. So I always, I always just recommend a multi, um, especially in the first couple of months of training, just to make sure that we're all on the, we're, everything's on the high side. Um, fish oil is another one that I think most people are getting around now, and it's good to see. Um, but especially if you're not actually eating fatty fish, um, like your salmon and things like that. Um, fish oil is super important to make sure that you are getting in your omega-3s. Um, there are some other ways to get it, but once again, what I'm about is risk assessment. So is there a risk of taking this supplement and is there a benefit of taking this supplement and then working out if it's worth it for people. Once again, you can't really, unless you're being really stupid with your supplementation, it's quite hard to get adverse effects from um, fish oil, but it can create really good benefits if you do use it correctly, which is usually 3000 milligrams um, first thing in the morning, which is um, yeah, usually two to three tablets. Um, or you can split that up That's as right. 1500 in the morning and 1500 at night as well. Um, so multivitamins, fish oil. Um, if you are strength training, um, one of the most researched substances um, and researched and safest supplements out there would have to be creatine. Um, creatine is basically uh, created in our body anyway um, and is used for sort of like explosive movements. And we want to have that. And if you can supplement with this, it's going to give you a lot more output. Um, super safe. It's basically, and not only super safe, but it's super cheap. Um, you know, you can get 
uh, I think it's like a hundred serves for about 30 bucks, which is just incredible, um, which is basically just a teaspoon. It's usually unflavored um, creatine monohydrate. If anyone from the actually goes and looks it up um, is usually the best yep. way to go creatine monohydrate. Um, that's, that's for anyone male or female that is uh, strength training. I would really look at bringing that in. Um, I would consider a whey protein shake as well for most. Um, some people do ask myself, uh, ask me whether it's worth it or not. And that's really going to come down to whether you are getting enough protein from your normal diet. So if you are, if you work out your calories and you do your little um, thing and find out I'm actually struggling to hit that 130 grams because you don't like eating that amount of those protein rich foods, then a protein shake can be one of the easiest ways to just top that off and get, um, get you a little bit extra out of the day. Um, and do those whey protein shakes, do they generally have the leucine you were mentioning earlier? Do they have that two grams of leucine um, that we yes. need from our protein source? Yes. So whey protein will have your, um, will have your two grams of leucine very easily. Um, however, your pea protein, which is your, um, a vegetarian option, and there's one other one that I'm blanking on at the moment, but there's two main vegan proteins that you can get. And those ones, you have to be careful. Um, if they're a good brand, they'll normally have the essential amino acid content on the back of the label. And you'll be able to see it there along with the other eight um, amino acids, how much leucine is in there. And what you're really looking for is two to, two to four grams basically of, um, of leucine to make sure it's, um, it's doing enough for you. Um, yeah, so that would be the main three. I would also look at for most people, um, the problem with Australia actually is that it's some, some crazy percentage between like 70 to 80% of us are actually uh, deficient in vitamin D as well, which is one of the, because vitamin, yeah, vitamin D is actually a, a hormone supplement. It's not actually a it's not like they call it vitamin, but it's not really a vitamin. It's more a hormonal um, uh, structure inside your body. And yeah, it's just so important for so many, for so many functions of your body. So if you are deficient in vitamin D, I would look at getting that up as fast as possible and as quick as possible. Um, it's been known to cause depression and anxiety, um, you know, things you wouldn't normally expect, but um, yeah, it can have really, really big effects. Um, That's interesting. Hey, mate, I've got a couple more for you and then I'll let you go because, and I really appreciate your time here, Cal. I want to talk about form, just going back to the um, like the types of exercise, I suppose, particularly with everyone at home right now, they haven't got the luxury of working with an expert like yourself um, and there's every chance they could fuck it up and hurt themselves. So uh, particularly if they're weight training and they're trying to you know, put on size, but even if it's a matter of like a, a HIIT workout, for example, I just put one on the other day from a YouTube video and um, I feel like I've just cooked my neck. <laughs> from, from trying to perform what uh, from what the hot chick was doing in the video <laughs> so form obviously plays a huge role and and the point i want to make is as a result of you know that workout for me personally the other day i was going to work out today but i'm not because i'm so sore and my head feels a bit funny and I, I must have done something wrong so how important is having the right form um versus you know well how important is it to get the form correct before you worry about you know smashing out as much as you possibly can yeah absolutely so look, when it comes to form, I'm a little bit of a funny one. Um, purely, not, actually, that's a lie. I really, I really like um, you know, doing exercises correctly, but sometimes 
what you need to ask yourself before you actually perform the exercise is, what am I trying to work? What am I actually trying to do here? And that is gonna really determine on what you should be, how you should perform that movement. For example, if you're doing a hit class um, that you see online, obviously the main goal there isn't to build as much muscle as possible. So maybe the form is gonna be a little bit faster, a little bit more intense to actually get your sweat up and get the, get the effects that you're actually looking for. Then if you're looking to maximize muscle, um, then you're really looking at doing, so instead of doing like, you know, fast push-ups and getting them done quickly, um, you know, you could be looking at a bench press with, you know, real slow technique and good form and, uh, you know, lowering the rep ranges and things like that. But you need to understand what it is you're trying to, you're trying to achieve from that. Now, obviously now it's going to get a little bit funny and form, it's a hard one because, you know, who's to say, who's to say one form is correct and one's the other, especially when some people now will be using other, you know, will be using like other forms of body weight. Um, you know, they might be using dog cam, you know, dog camps for equipment and, you know, and for weights and things like that. So it's going to be really hard to determine that. But one of, the, one of the main tips I would give to people is if they're unsure about um, the form or doing it right is to take a second to really slow down the tempo. And by what I mean the tempo, let's say we're doing a push-up, right? Um, I would try and do like really, really slow drops. Um, so basically doing like a three to five second um, uh, drop, eccentric drop from push-ups, arms fully stretched out to dropping yourself to the ground and try and take about five seconds to do this and then about five seconds to come back up. What you're going to find is after doing one to two to three reps of this is where am I feeling the pain start to come on? Where am I starting to feel the fatigue? Now, if that's not in the areas that you that they should be, then that's when form could potentially be an issue and you might need to look a little bit further into it. Um, because it's so it's so nuanced, man. Like when you're doing an exercise, sometimes just a slight shift in the arch of the back, sometimes just a, um, a slight push out or um, slight wing of the elbow can completely change what's working and whether it's safe or not safe. But what I would tell people is that as long as you're where some usually form isn't where people get injured. Usually where people get injured is the range of motion. Um, for example, if someone's doing a bench press with two dumbbells and they let their elbows come like all the way down, they bring it like down so that the dumbbells are basically touching their chest, um, keep their elbows really close to the body and, you know, they bring it down really sharply. That, even though you're looking at it, the form isn't 100% where the injury tends to happen is because they, they put muscles that they weren't meant to be working in a place that's further than their preferred range of motion. And then that's when you, you know, you get pulls and strains and torn ligaments and things like that because you're going past that range of motion. So what I would argue is that when you're learning a new exercise or you're not 100% sure about it and you haven't really sussed it out is to shorten the range of motion. So for example, if you're doing, let's say you've never done a push up before in your life, it's very unlikely you're gonna be able to go hand shoulder width apart and push your elbows out wide and get your chest to touch the ground, right? So you shouldn't try that first go because your body's gonna to have to compensate to make that happen. And then when the compensation starts is when the injury starts. So you only start by, you know, bending your elbows to about maybe 45 degrees, if that. 
you know, and just doing smaller range of motion reps, but doing more of them to work out whether it's working correctly and then gradually decrease that or increase that range of motion so that you can get lower and lower. It's just like we were talking about before, you know, progression is, is everything in this game. You know, you really want to be progressing, but that doesn't always mean more weight on the bar. It doesn't always mean, you know, eating less calories or more calories. Sometimes it can just be as simple as, can I do this exercise better than before? Do I feel it more in the muscles that are meant to be working than before? That is just as much progression. And if I could, I could possibly argue that it's going to be even more effective in getting you a better body because you're going to be able to move better. You're going to be able to add more exercises to your repertoire. And yeah, long-term, it's going to make a world of difference. Mate, I'm grinning from ear to ear. That's exactly what I want to hear. That is, that is super helpful. And it's, again, I'm sort of speaking for myself personally, and I just hope that people can relate and get some value. I find that's where I often fall down is whether it is the range of motion is not quite right or, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, I, I'm compensating um, because I'm trying to lift too much too much weight or whatever it might be. And that um, it sort of stops the progress because I end up getting injured and slow down and all that sort of stuff. So what you just explained, I think is really important. Um, mate, I've got, I've got one more uh, before we sign off and uh, I said it a couple of times, but I really appreciate you carving out the time to, to connect and come on the show for a chat, you know, tons and tons of value in there. We've got, we've covered a lot. So the way I want to wrap things up is this for people listening, what is the best place to start? I want to break it into two kind of categories, I suppose. So someone's listening and they currently do fuck all. They don't, they don't, they don't really exercise a whole lot and, and then nutrition's not quite right. Um, without overwhelming them, you know, because they can't do everything at once. I think that's where people fall down as well, is trying to do too much. I think you mentioned analysis paralysis earlier. What maybe one or two things that they should start doing essentially today um, that's going to have a get them in the right direction? Yeah, awesome, mate. So there's basically two main things that I would introduce to someone who hasn't really started and wants to do it for the first time and, and do it right. Um, you definitely don't want to just go straight into it. I would really just start focusing on when it comes to food is protein, right? So you need more protein in the diet. Um, that means a good way that I like to do this, um, especially when I'm trying to teach someone is you is to always have a protein source with every meal that you eat, especially in the early stages, because it'll start to get you a little bit more aware of what protein sources are like, you know, what things you actually enjoy. It's going to make you experiment a little bit, um, you know, and it's going to get you a little bit more consistent, not necessarily saying that you have to do that for the rest of um, your training career or the rest of your life, but you definitely want to increase the protein up, learn about it, find ways to make it, um, find ways to make it work for you inside your lifestyle so you can get the amount that you need. And there's many calculators to find that out. And as far as if someone is just sitting on their ass and they're doing absolutely nothing, um, which I think a lot of us might be at the moment, I can't stress how important just walking and getting your daily steps in is. You know, what happens to a lot of people, especially when you get sedentary jobs, is it makes you feel lazy. You know, it makes you not want to move as much and it actually makes you more tired, um, even though you're sitting down more, which makes no sense. But um, 
you know, it's really hard to get out there and achieve the steps that you should maintain. Now, it's not necessarily 10,000, but I think deliberate walking. Um, one of the guys that I really love, um, Stan Efforting, he does a lot of stuff on this and he, he proposes something called 10 minute walks, which basically at the after each meal, your breakfast, your lunch and your dinner, you take a 10 minute walk. And studies have shown that to be just as effective as blood pressure medication pills. Um, not saying that you should stop them, but bringing this practice in and starting to walk is would be so beneficial to your life. Um, I don't do it every single time, but it definitely helps when you do it, especially after a um, quite bigger meal. It brings your blood sugar down real quick, um, less bloating, much better to sleep, um, especially after dinner. You know, um, going to bed on a full stomach can really impact your sleep. But walking and protein for someone just to completely start off fresh. Um, there's so much more into it, but if you do these things, and I guess the last thing I'd put in there is research, you know, start to listen to podcasts or read articles or do whatever you need to do. Um, the knowledge you can learn online is just unfathomable. You know, you should really, really utilize that and, and learn because there's just so many people out there willing to give out free advice. Um, for you just to get better at training, at your diet, at your nutrition. And you should have a look. There's always some bad stuff out there, but if you watch enough of it, you're going to see the contradicting and you get to make your own because there is there is some right and wrong answers, but I think it's more backed by science and things that aren't backed by science. And I would say yet. Um, but yeah, that's where I would start for them. And as far as someone who is actually a little bit more advanced, um, so let's say, for example, they've been training for about 12 months in their field, whether it's weightlifting, running, swimming, doing whatever you're doing, and you think you can do more, but you know, you're kind of stuck there. If you're in that position, what you need to find out is, are you actually getting closer to your goal? Are you actually progressing still? Um, at the end of the day, that is really all we're searching for. You know, if you are in that position, you're just looking to be better. So how you need to know if you are getting better and by how much you're getting better. The more data points you start to track, and I see this commonly across um, people that I work with and people uh, that are coaches, is the more data points you track in your health and fitness, the more likely you're going to succeed and the more likely you're going to actually get uh, the body and the physique and the results that you're after, um, you know, your weight, you know, you should be tracking your personal bests, whether it's, you know, how much you can lift or how many reps you can get of a certain weight of your favorite exercise. And you more things you track, it collates, and then you start to see the trends. And that's when you're in control, when you know how your body reacts to something and how it feels and how you feel when you bring things in, take things out, um, you know, start a different exercise split, um, change your diet, and you can actually relate and turn these things into data for yourself, you will go above and beyond and you'll be able to do amazing things with your, with your health and fitness. You'll be able to get with the body that you're after. You're not going to really struggle there. So I would just encourage people that are really in that position is to track more, more food, more, more personal bests, and then from there, you can start to build and just improve on the things that you want to improve on. Um, it sounds simple, but it, you'd be amazed at how many people don't do it in the gym. You know, that you need to, in, unless, now this is where it sort of gets hard because some people that are in that position, you know, they want more, but you also need to understand that a 
more, you know, better results and, you know, uh, more chiseled abs requires more effort and more work. And that comes into, you know, tracking more diligently and, you know, being able to take all that data and look at it and actually make it a big priority in your life. If you can't make it a big priority in your life, then, you know, you should be happy with what you've achieved thus far. And, you know, I would, I would really encourage people to actually try and, and look deeper into their data, whether you have a fitness tracker like Fitbit or anything like that, um, start to know, start to actually take into account all the little data points, how well you sleep. Even if you can do that, I think it's going to be a lot better for you, for you specifically to actually get a better body. I love it. Carl, where can people connect with you? I forgot to mention at the top, but um, you're based in the northern suburbs from memory. So uh, how do people connect with you if they want to either train with you when obviously it's legal to do so or if they want to get more tips, follow your journey, whatever. How do they connect with you? Uh, thanks so much, man. Um, so on Instagram, um, Albert, I'm not as, uh, as constant and as active on there at the moment as I have been in the past. Um, but usually I try and offer out a lot of um, free infographs, a lot of help. I'm always super happy to get people on my Instagram, which is um, Coach KZPT. Um, but if you're looking just to inquire or to learn a little bit more about me, I also have a podcast as well, um, which I'm hoping to chuck this one on there because um, I think we've covered a lot of good stuff. Um, you can find that at kzptcoaching.com. Um, those are pretty much the main two places. Um, that I'd like to connect. And yeah, if anyone has any questions or, you know, just wants to just ask a little bit more about their, their specifically, because that is the hard thing with um, just fitness and achieving a physique that you're proud of is that it's a purely individual thing. Even though sometimes the rules tend to look the same for most, that's not the case. You know, you need to, you need to know what's right for you. And, you know, I'm basically dedicating my life to help people find how to do that. I think that's pretty clear, mate. Came through in our chat today and our, our chat that we've had offline as well. So appreciate you coming on. I learned heaps and some people listening did. Um, and, mate, I'm sure I'll get you on another time to dive into some more stuff. Because like you touched on a couple of times, it is pretty nuanced, this conversation, but there's heaps and heaps of stuff in this conversation we've just had that people can work with. So, mate, you're a good man and um, we'll stay connected for sure. Thank you so much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully um, they got some stuff out of this. Thanks again for listening to this episode. If you did enjoy it, if you got some sort of value from the episode, please do us a favor and subscribe to the channel. We've got lots more to come and share it with your friends and family. It all helps our mission of raising a million dollars towards brain injury recovery and research. So please share the podcast and I look forward to sharing more with you on another episode.